And are we in, in the top of the pecking order of the conference we're playing, or are we in the middle, or are we in the bottom? Because every every conference has a pecking order, and if you're not at the top of that pecking order, you're having to develop players to be able to compete against the top of the pecking order. Hey, Steve, don't look at what I did at Arkansas and Ole Miss. Look what I did at New Mexico State. Yeah. We didn't have the same resources. We didn't recruit the same players. But, you know, we, we've had four kids drafted in the last four years. So the, the branding is, the, you know, the, the message to the outside world. The culture is what's happening inside. The trying is a half-hearted effort with a view towards failure. Welcome back to another rep. My name is Steve Hagan, and I am so excited for today's show. I have a friend, Don Decker, call him Donnie. He was our strength coach at Kent State. He's been the strength coach at Arkansas, Ole Miss, and most recently New Mexico State. He has some gems. Hold on tight. This conversation that we have today is loaded. I don't care if you are a athlete or a businessman or a parent or who you are. Sit tight, listen in, lean in. This is exceptional stuff. If you like another rep, hit subscribe, tell a friend, tell a teammate. Let's get this word out here because today's show is awesome. I'm not going to wait another second. Let's go get another rep. Let's go. Hey, man, I am so excited to have you on another rep today. This is Don Decker, Donnie. And I coached together at Kent State. They used to call it Kent Reed, Kent Wright, Kent State. No, that's not good. <laughs> I may have to put my glasses on. Uh, it's early in the morning. I'm over here in Kailua, Hawaii, and you're over in uh, Las Cruces, Las Cruces. Mexico. So yeah. It took us about, uh, what, 10 minutes to get the uh, technology right. That has nothing to do with Apple or anything. It has something to do with me, the way, <laughs> the way I roll. But... Man, you're a uh, strength coach, and um, let's just get into that. Let's talk about how that all happened. My daughter's texting me. I got to cancel her off here. So, <laughs> um, well, yeah. yeah so, uh, so you know, being I, I don't know that I've met anyone else that was a college quarterback. I had the opportunity to play uh, football at Evangel University and was um, a quarterback there, and. Um, so I, I haven't met very many strength coaches that were college quarterbacks. Usually they they come out of different positions. But when I when I went to Arkansas and started my grad school, I was teaching the weight training classes there as part of my graduate assistantship. And um, I went over to uh, the weight room to just volunteer my time just to learn and, and all that. And um, there there after that first semester, an opportunity uh, came open to be a graduate assistant in the athletic department in the weight room for coach Stuckey, who, you know, gave me my chance with this whole thing. And, um, so I transferred from being over in the, you know, PE department to over in the athletic department and, uh, got my master's degree from the university of Arkansas. And I had, I actually had an opportunity to move to being a graduate assistant on the field, but, you know, you and I, um, a lot of water has passed under the bridge for the two of us. We've experienced a lot of changes, but back then, you know, ADs hired the trainer and hired the strength right. coaches, you know, and coach Stuckey was coach Broyles guy. And, you know, coach Broyles and coach Royal from Texas were two of the you know most powerful guys on the scene back then. And, and as I was weighing out the opportunities on the field and the, in the weight room, I just really, um, 
felt like at the time that that the strength side of things set up for me um, in my mind at that point better than being on the field. And um, so after weighing everything out, I, I accepted the position and stayed in the position there at, as the graduate assistant in the weight room with Coach Stuckey. And, um, you know, I've not had any regrets about that opportunity. Of course, things have changed radically since then in terms of who you're hired by now the head football coach is usually who hires you know the head strength coach right. for football and and it's much more transient you're not you know and um although i've been fortunate i was at kent state and then was at university of arkansas for 15 years and then was at old miss for four and then i've been at new mexico state for nine and um you know in a 32-year career have have only been out of you know, the business, this is my second time, you know, between Ole Miss and here was out of it for 14 months. And then there, this December was a coaching change at New Mexico state. So currently um, just waiting for what the Lord has, has next, but uh, right. feel fortunate about that. Have, haven't had a lot of moves. So there has been, you know, when I look back on my pros and cons of being a strength coach, the whole stability aspect of things back then, you know, strength coaches would survive multiple coaching changes at the same place. Um, and, but I've been fortunate. I was with Houston nut for 14 years and was with Doug Martin for nine. And, um, you know, to have that kind of relationship and that consistency and, uh, familiarity with the individual that you're working for. And, and, um, I know we're going to be talking about some other things today in terms of culture and, just the role that a strength coach plays and stuff. But when you, when you develop a long-term relationship with the head coach being with one for 14 and one with nine, you know, you really get to know what they're about, what, what, you know, what their mindset is, what they believe in, you know, what's important to them. And so it makes it so much easier in the weight room to know, you know, what direction we need to be going and, and, you know, what's the mantra, you know, with me and my staff, you know, and what needs to be, really focused on and, and, uh, you know, kind of the guidelines and and the chart and the course of where this football team and football program wants to go. So when you have that length of time, that longevity, 14 years and nine, um, it just so equipped me to be, um, the, an effective voice for what the head coach was looking for, because I didn't have to, I didn't have to wonder, you know, what do they believe in? What do they think? How do they think? What's important to them? You spend that much time, as you know, in this profession with somebody, you get to know them pretty good and what they're about, you know? Well, also, you know, the other thing is there's other coaches that are transitioning in and out because they're going, you know, some of the running back coaches might be going to get a coordinator job or a quarterback coach go. So they're, they're leaving, but that one, you know, that one mainstay is the strength coach. And which is huge. So let's talk about that and how huge that is as far as culture and building a culture. So when you go into um, let's let's go with where you were just at New Mexico State, because that's a lot different than um, uh, Ole Miss in Arkansas or Arkansas, you know, just because of the athletes that you that you have access to. Honestly, you know, New Mexico State, they can recruit the kids that are going to Ole Miss, they just probably won't get many of them. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, yeah. Just, it's just the way that game is. So let's talk about that culture and how you build that culture. You don't do it probably any differently at where you're at. It just takes on a different form because of the where it is, all that. Yeah, you know, um, when I was interviewed for the job, they, they asked me, you know, um, hey, you know, 
you've been at Arkansas and Ole Miss. You've been in SEC for a total of 19 years. The, you know, the, the level of player that we're getting here is going to be different than the level that you're used to. I mean, it just goes without saying, you know, yeah. and, um, and so, you know, you know, do you feel like you can really develop players to the extent that's going to meet, need to be developed here at New Mexico state. And I said, you know, I understand the question and I think it's very fair. Uh, I said, but for me to put it in perspective so that you just don't, you know, take me at my word and say, yeah, I can yeah. do that. I, every conference, you know, has a pecking order and being at Arkansas and Ole Miss, you know, as hard as we tried, we didn't get as many of the same athletes as LSU or Alabama or Florida yeah. or Georgia. Right. So but we're, we're playing them every year. And while we were at Arkansas, I know you talked to Mike Marcuson recently uh, about his journey. And, you know, we won three Western Division titles, you know, there at, at the University of Arkansas. Yeah. And so we, we weren't just competing against them, and, and, but we were winning and, and you know, shining and, and, ex, and excelling. That's huge. Um, and, we, and we weren't obviously getting – were we getting a few of the same type of athletes that some of those other schools in the SEC were, were getting? Yes, but we weren't across the board getting the same athletes. And, and so I said, you know, you, you, don't get the Mexico, you don't get that. Yeah, depth. no doubt. And when you come to New Mexico State, are you going to get the same player that you were getting at Arkansas? No, but it's relative. And are we in the top of the pecking order of the conference we're playing? Or are we in the middle? Or are we in the bottom? Because every every conference has a pecking order. And if you're not at the top of that pecking order, you're having to develop players to be able to compete against the top of the pecking order. So it, to a certain extent, Steve, it, it's not so much where you're at in terms of a power five or non-power five it's where your uh place is in your conference if you're in the sun belt and you're you know at the you're at louisiana lafayette you know, you're getting a better player than you're getting at the bottom you know at yeah. potentially louisiana monroe or whatever the bottom of that the sun belt you know has been uh and new mexico state falls into that category you know but i'm proud to say if somebody was to look at, uh, you know, humbly before the Lord, I say, if you were to look at what we were able to accomplish here at New Mexico State in 2017, we went to a bowl game and won a bowl game for the first time in 57 years. And, you know, we developed the first APL American since 1974. Um, we sent two kids, the fifth and sixth players in school history to the Reese Senior Bowl, which, you know, you've experienced. It's the top 100 players in the country. And so when you look at what we were able to do here, not just as, you know, strength conditioning and sports performance, but just as an overall staff, I mean, there, there was, you know, there was a lot of hardships and, we, you know, we took our licks and, and all those kind of things, but, but there was a lot accomplished. And when I look at like in the future and someone says to me, you know, um, you know, what separates you, what, you know, what proves that you can do this job that we're asking you to do at whatever university um, if that's what the Lord has for me in the future is to continue to be in this profession. Um, I, I don't know that I, if you're the head coach, Steve, and you're saying, Deck, what proves that? I don't know that I wouldn't say to you, hey, Steve, don't look at what I did at Arkansas and Ole Miss. Look what I did at New Mexico State. Yeah. We didn't have the same resources. We didn't recruit the same players. But, you know, we, we've had four kids drafted in the last four years. I mean, there's a lot of schools that we could uh, recruit against that couldn't say that, that have a lot better facility and a lot more money. And so, that, that, that's a testament to Coach Martin and his leadership that he gave me, the, 
the room that we had, at, we did a $1.1 million renovation. We had elite form at every rack and platform. We had 1080 motion. We had polar. We had all the technology. And I had a phenomenal staff. One of my staff guys is now the assistant strength coach with the Rams. He just won a Super Bowl. And so all that collectively, there was a lot of good things that happened. But if you were to look at, you know, what is it that, you know, what is it that says you can do the job? It would be that. Um, and so, so but getting into this. the so everybody yeah. has a weight, everybody's got a weight room and some are just right. like crazy, crazy decked out and some right. are, you know, whatever. And you guys did a $1.1 million renovation, but what's the difference? Because everybody has a squat rack. Everybody has a bench press. Everybody has a, you know, the plates and the bells and the dumbbells and the, all that. What culturally teaching wise and what, what is that? What makes that difference? How do you get into those kids' brains and say, Hey man, you got this. Um, that's really a two part question. So uh, let me attack the, the first part in terms of the culture. So the, the figuring out what coach Martin wanted from a branding standpoint, you know, which is really the outside message to the rest of the world, what this program is going to be about and for him, it was make a play. And when you think about make a play, um, you, you think about that from, you know, that's a that's a challenge for the coaches. That's a challenge for the players. That's a challenge for the support staff. Everybody's going to make a play in order to, to be successful, you know. Yeah. And so the the branding is, the, you know, the, the message to the outside world. The culture is what's happening inside. And when you um, gave me the opportunity to, to come on the show with you today and doing some just research and, and and looking at different things. I thought this definition of culture really was interesting because I felt like it really summarized for me very succinctly what I feel like my staff and I had the opportunity to do. And, and it, it says this, here's the definition. It says that the culture is the shared beliefs and values, okay, yeah. that come from the leader, which would be the head coach, right? right. And, then, and then those beliefs and values are then communicated and i love this and reinforced through various methods that ultimately shape the player's perceptions behaviors and understanding there you go and i and i told my you know wife the other night when i was uh that i found this and i was sharing it with her and i said i don't know that i've ever heard anything more clearly defined because you know, strength coaches you know because of the rules with the ncaa and because of year-round training and all that. I mean, strength coaches end up spending, you know, really more time with the players than just about anybody else, but the head coach, you know, and I always tease them and their girlfriend, you know, but uh, you know, so when you're saying that the strength coach is, is taking the head coach's beliefs and values that he's established for this program and then reinforcing and communicating them so that it shapes their behavior and understanding. I mean, that is such you know, reading that just made me uh, just reinforced how important that role has been over the years that I have been given the opportunity and have been entrusted with. When you talk about Houston Nutt gave me that opportunity for 14 years and Doug Martin for, I mean, that's a huge trust thing. Oh man! And, um, and, and so I, I shared with you the other day, you know, the five cultural truths that we said in the weight room every day. Yeah. Put those that, out there. Cause I think if you want to, you may not want, <laughs> that I, might no, be the I, secret I think, sauce. <laughs> no, no, they're not the secret sauce, but when I was thinking about that, and how that tied in with that definition of shaping the behaviors and understanding. So we would say make a play because that's the brand. Make a play number one was 
the, the, the players would echo, you know, we're not about trying, we're about doing. And go. the best definition I've ever heard of trying is that trying is a half-hearted effort with a view towards failure. And, uh, and I thought, you know, that really, because when you say I'm trying, like if I said, Hey, Steve, uh, come over here and watch me uh, squat this, you know, 500 pounds. I'm going to try. Like, All right. I'll, you know, but if, if I say, Hey, Steve, uh, could you come over here? I'm going to try to squat this five. That sends a completely different message no to doubt. you. No and, um, and I think what it does is, is the difference be- between saying I tried versus I did my best there's a difference there in engagement and ownership. I tried is like leaving an out for, I confess it's somebody else's fault. When, right. you, when, when you do something and don't succeed, there's no, you and I talk about that to players all the time. There's no shame in that. It's it, and not getting knocked down. It's not, you know, there's no shame in that. It's get back up, dust yourself off and then, and, and go out there and, and do a better play. job or whatever. Right. Yeah. And, yeah, that's right. Make a play. And, and, and if I say to you, Steve, I did my best. And you say to me, well, Dick, your best didn't make the play. But the conversation, the follow-up with you on that statement is instantly, there's something about this guy that's not trying to get out of the ownership of that moment of the failure that he didn't make the play. He's saying, I did my best. I, I realized my best wasn't good enough. I'm going to own that. Now tell me what I got to do to be better versus – well, Steve, I mean, what do you want, man? I'm trying to do my best. I mean, what do you want? You know, this is what uh, I want. So anyways, I want you to make a play because if you <laughs> keep trying and you can't, then we got to go find somebody else. That's what happens. That's right. That's, yeah, that's you're exactly right. Line. What you're are the exactly other four? Right. Let's go get it. So uh, number two is we're mentally equipped. Number three, we're a band of brothers. Number four, we compete at a championship level. And number five, no excuses, none, zero. Love it. Those are the five. Love it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, hey, so, let me give you this. When I was with Pat Hill at Fresno, very similar situation, okay? Um, and Pat, masterful, a great football coach. And he'd have this, he called it a bulldog mentality. We were the Fresno State Bulldogs. And you'd have that bulldog mentality. Play anybody, anywhere, anytime. And those guys got that mindset and they were dialed in. And it was that no excuses, no explanations, just like yours. No excuses, none, zero. I love that, you know. And you you create that culture. The other part of that question that you asked me was. Go ahead. What's that? No, sorry. you, You. as that head coach, he's the drum major and you keep beating that drum and they keep hearing that pace of that drum beat and they got to march to that drum beat. And sometimes they got to run to the drum beat, but they, <laughs> they got to, they got to play yeah. at that speed of that beat. And if they don't find people that will. Cause, That's right. And you know, you know I told, uh, I was told one time that, you know, you can have this branding piece you can have the culture, you can have the core values, you can have all that. But if you're, if your if your people inside the organization cannot regurgitate those at kind of on demand, if you will, then it looks great in a book and it looks great in an interview, <laughs> but is it really impacting? And and our players, you know, I'd say make a play number one, and they'd say we're not about to. I didn't have to remind them what make a play number one was. Right. They knew they'd said it so much that they knew it. And you and I both know if you're saying something over and oh, even if you don't initially really understand it or whatever all of a sudden it starts becoming the fabric of who you are and then you right. could hear the players say 
uh, somebody would, I'd say to somebody, you know, what happened there? Well, I was trying and somebody would say, hey, we don't try. No, 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 we ain't about trying. And that's when you knew, right, that this was really making an impact. And you said, uh, you know, you asked me, everybody has these things in their program, but what really changes things to yeah. be different from somebody else? And, you know, you've heard Nick Saban uh, and, and everybody that would fall, I guess, underneath, you know, Nick Saban in terms of him obviously being one of the best, but he always is talking about standard. Yeah. And um, one of my statements always to my staff and the players were, hey, look, the standard is what the standard is. I'm, I'm not going to apologize for that, you know. We'll lower it because you staff- showed up today. We'll lower it a little bit. because you- Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and one of my staff guys said, hey, coach, like, we know what that we, we like we get it, but we don't like have you ever defined what the standard is, what the standard is? I mean, have you ever like really put a definition to it? And I said, you know, I, I hadn't. So he challenged me with that. And here's what I came up with. It's excellence in every detail of every action. Now, go. I didn't say perfection. I said excellence in every detail of every action. So for my staff, if I'm out on the floor and they're coaching their group of guys, I had my staff divided up like position coach. So they would coach the same six or eight guys in every group of that day, yeah. uh, every day of the week. So they would know them and all that kind of stuff. So if I'm walking around and I'm watching this group that, that you're coaching, Steve, and you're saying, I wonder what Coach Deck's thinking right now. I wonder what's going through his mind, whether how he's evaluating me. Am, am I doing good enough? I said, so if that's ever running through your mind, what you need to ask yourself is, is, is everything that's happening right here excellence in every detail of every action? Again, I didn't say perfection. I said I excellence. So if I've got a... There's a standard. Year, that's a good standard. Yeah. So if you have if you have a first-year coach on the floor with a freshman football player, you know, excellence in every detail of every action is going to look different than if I've got my top assistant who's been with me for six years and he's coaching a senior. Yeah. Well, excellence in every detail of every action, it looks different for that than it does for this, but it's applicable to both. That's right. right? That's right. You know what? I'm going to give you an example of that because I'm glad you brought that up. When I was at Nevada, Reno, the Wolfpack, let's go. (laughs) We would put 300 pounds on the squat rack. Those kids would come in. We'd take these little freshmen out of uh, wherever, you know, Jimmy John High School down in wherever, 300 pounds on the squat rack. Our standard was 300 pounds. And we'd put it on there. They'd get underneath it. And we had it all safety guarded and all that stuff. And boom, it flattened some of those kids. It just put them down onto the safety bars. And we're like, get out. And we'd show them what a senior looks like. We put 300 pounds. We'd take a senior wide receiver, put 300 pounds in there. Boom, boom. Boom, he'd be repping that thing out. And those kids, those freshmen would be like, what? And said, that's the standard. We don't lower it because you showed up and you can't do 300. We keep it the way it is. And you do 300 as many times as you possibly can because that's the standard. And we want to know how you grow. And I I just thought that was so fun. And it was, it just installed, instilled confidence and, well, obviously strength you know, right, it right. gave them that bar to, to reach for all the time. And I just thought that was super cool. So, yeah. yes, you know, it's those kind of moments that are so, you know, 
because when you when they're coming on the recruiting visit, hey, what do you squat? You know, oh, I squat four fifty. You know, and you know, <laughs> and you put three hundred what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you put three hundred pounds on their back, and they're like, you know, and then you put uh, one thirty five on the bar and say, do it right, you know. Uh, but to your point about that, that you you lead me to another thought that I had that I wanted to share with you about this whole <clears throat> what really separates. So. In your experiences as a coach, you're around people that are willing to, you know, I liken it to parents with kids. You know, there's so many battles every single day that you have with children. And it's, you know, can they wear you out and are you going to give in? Right. And, And you look at the parents that don't and they're constant and consistent and they're always drawing the line and and the and the the kids respect it and value it because everybody wants to know what the parameters are and they never get worn out. And then you see, you know, parents that get worn out real quick and they just cave. Right. Yeah. And so I think like in coaching what and you tell me what your perspective on this is, is but I think the thing that I've seen is the difference is is that how consistent are you with that standard as a coach? And do you get worn out with holding that line? And then with the players, how consistent are they willing to be with that standard? And I think the thing that separates, in my opinion, you know, program one program from another, it's you've got so many people involved with the process. How many of them are caving or how many of them do you have on the staff that you know they ain't caving it don't matter they're not caving right and then how many players do you have that you know they would never take a lazy step and they're always going to measure themselves against the standard and then how many of them are saying yeah I can do that on occasion but I'm not going to do that consistently and so to me it's the consistency of you holding that standard because because to your point not only is does everybody have squat racks and football fields and footballs and helmets and shoulder pads, but everybody's got coaches. So what is it? This, so what is it that separates? Good coaches you know, too. Yeah. And, and so you're saying, okay, so what separates us? And I think that when you look, if you look back at the people that you really respect in this profession of coaching and then the people that you really respect in life and you, and you, and I know that you know both of us are are Christian men. When you look yeah. at people that you really value and respect as Christian, you know, role models in your life and mentors and all those kind of things, it's the consistency of what they're doing, and it's not the perfection because perfection is obviously something we're all striving for, but we're going to always be falling short of that. But it's the that excellence to everything that you're doing and the cut and the consistency of that to me is what separates the really, really all the time successful programs and the programs that are only successful some of the times. And there's so much that goes into that because it takes the coaches and the players and the support staff to all be rallying around on a consistent basis. That's what I see. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah. Oh, there's no question. That element is huge. I also believe this, it's the transference of ownership. Because I can't ever go across that white line. I can't throw any more passes. I can't tackle anybody. I can't, I can't do any of that. So I have to transfer that ownership. And you transfer that ownership in the weight room of strength and confidence and get that resilience and callous them up. Because the game is way harder than any weight room is going to be. All we can do is kind of replicate the resistance in a weight room. But we can't replicate the game. 
I can't even replicate the game to its entirety at practice as a coach. I can get it close, but you know, I don't want you tackling our star running back. I don't want you sacking our best quarterback in practice in a game. It's all, it's all let's go. So what we have to do as coaches, weight room, strength coaches, uh, quarterback coach, whatever head coach, the whole objective is to transfer that ownership of excellence, consistency, spirit, culture, all that goes into a game. I love your, your podcast. Don does a podcast called 3.5 and it's the 3.5, three hours and a half of what goes on in a game. And it's that transference of ownership. And that's, that's what Christ did, right? He came down here to transfer ownership. So we take upon that Christ-like life and we're trying to take, we're trying to get these guys to take on the consistency of a big time, consistent, dynamic, pro football player looking life and everything from on and off the field, but how you play that game. And when we as coaches, you do it when I can't do it. I can't go into the weight room every day. I can't be where you're at all the time because like you said, the NCA doesn't allow us to do certain things and then you're doing it. And when we're all on the same page, they keep hearing that drum beat from me. And it's got to be the same drum beat. Your drum beat can't be like, and then mine's like, this is random and inconsistent. Your room, my room, the next guy's room, the running back room, the head coach's room, it's got to be. And so everybody hears that same drum beat. They hear it from a different mouth and a different coach, but it's all, hey, we're transferring the ownership to you to make you the best you can be, the most consistent, the most excellent. We know you're not going to be perfect, just like you said. We know you're not going to be perfect, but we're chasing perfection. We're chasing this standard because we know this standard is the one that wins games. And the one that wins games helps us stay employed. <laughs> that's, that's, right. that's right. Well, you mentioned, you mentioned confidence. And, you know, I think that's one of the, like, if you asked me, what do you think the most important thing that you do for the player? You know, it would be hard for me to not, you know, with that definition of culture that we talked about, you know, shaping their behavior and understanding of where they're trying to go, because, you know, on the recruiting visit, you're saying, hey, look, you know, for me, from the strength coach standpoint, hey, I know you have goals and dreams and you have aspirations at playing at the next level, being an All-American, you know, college football player, going to the Reese's Senior Bowl, going to the NFL Combine, getting drafted, all those kind of things. And, you know, so all that goes into, you know, the thought process of getting them to understand what it takes to do all that. Yeah. But then there's that whole confidence journey. And like you mentioned, the 300 pound squat, you go from coming in and, and they can't do it to when they can, the senior, like you referenced, that jumps in the rack and reps it out with perfect technique, perfect depth, everything that we're talking about. Um, you know, and there's such a confidence that's built in that. And I, I feel like from, you know, what we're doing with the player on a day in day out basis is if you ask me, like, what do you think they're walking out with every day? I, I, my, my goal has been that I want them to feel better about themselves than when they got here. You That's know? right. And, and so I, I you know, kind of ask the, this question every day to my staff and to the players. And that is, did you get better today? You know, that one question. And then what I was going to what I felt like was important is 
I'm big into fair. I don't, I don't like things, you know, it, it sometimes you get you growing up in, in class, you remember those teachers that would say, uh, you know, here's the question and does anybody have an answer? And, and you're like, well, there could be several answers. And I'm afraid if I don't say the one answer that, that they're thinking of, then I'm going to look, you know, and, and uh, I never felt like that was fair, if you will. But what I want for the athletes is for it to be fair. And so um, on any given day, if you're, you're giving them the opportunity from, from their body weight to the flexibility aspect, to the plyometrics and speed, whether it be linear speed or lateral speed, we talked about the technology in the weight room. We had elite form at every platform and rack. And so that was that measured the bar on every rep of every set. It videoed every yeah. rep of every set. So you had massive accountability. Um, but that you could walk away from that platform going, yeah, I moved that bar faster today than I did the day before. And right. I did better technique. So and then you've got, you know, from a conditioning standpoint and then what I call mind candy. And that was you know, uh, TV gun pumps, measure them out at the end of a workout coach. I mean, they get, you know, they get so jacked up. I went up a quarter of an inch on my arm pump. I was 18 last week. Now I'm 18 and a quarter, you know, and they got their, sh- and they take their shirt off walking out the door. Cause now, the, you know, they, their arms are all jacked up and I'm, and I'm looking at my staff and I'm saying, this is the environment that, that we're looking for. We want them to feel so much better because when you feel better about yourself, you know, as Dion says, you look good, you feel good, you play good, it's all good, right? That's right. And, and, I, and, I, and I think there, not only is there obviously a lot of truth in that, and he, he cornered that phrase, those phrases, but, but for me as a strength coach, when I look at, okay, what are all the things that we're doing to help them be a better football player? Well, that's a pretty broad question, but if if you're looking at f- for me to say like one thing to come out of there, if I help them become more confident in who they are and they've got a measure of talent and ability that, oh. that God has given them, that they're, they're going to be better on the field. I mean, right. that's a fact, you know. It's 400 pounds on a bench press. People always say, well, why, why, why do you make such a big deal about 400-pound bench press? The only time you use a bench press when you got knocked down on your back and you push somebody off – and I say, well, I, here's the deal. I know the game's played with the lower half. I get it. And the most powerful athlete wins in power is strength and speed. So I, I, I can preach that message all day long with you. But here's what I know. When they walk out of that weight room, they're not being asked how much they squat, how much they power clean. Here's what they're being asked. What's your bench press? What's your vertical jump? What's your 40 time? Those are the three things that, that everybody on the street that they run into are going to be asking them. So if I improve their bench press then here's what I know. I call that mind candy. I'm giving them something that they want. And guess what? Now all of a sudden with vertical jump and speed and squat and power clean and all those things that are a lot less glamorous than the bench press and they're not really ever going to get asked about, they'll bust their tail in because they recognize the value of it because they see how it produces for them on the field. But they're saying to me, you cared enough about me to help me do something that would make me feel better about myself, big arms, big shoulders, big bench press. So I'm going to give you what you're saying is important until I understand the importance of it. That's right. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. What you measure matters. Otherwise, yeah. guess what? They wouldn't have a scoreboard in any of these stadiums. It's, 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 it's the truth in our own families, raising our families. It's the truth whether we're coaching a football game or whether we're running a business, you have to measure your finances in a business, your profit and loss statements. That's a, that's a scoreboard. You have to measure that stuff unless you don't care. Yeah. 
Exactly. Unless you don't want it to grow. Hey, let's do this. Let's transition because I brought up your podcast. I love your podcast, by the way. I listened to it. And oh, um, it's 3.5. Let's just go into that real quickly because I want to talk about how faith plays a role in, and I know it played a major role in everything that you've done with, I mean, from the beginning of time. And, but just specific, specifically with Houston and then, you know, where you're at. And let's just go with that. So tell everybody about 3.5 because I love it. Well, thank you. Uh, during the pandemic, uh, over the course of my uh, time, Steve, as, as you just alluded to, I've had the opportunity to do coaches' Bible studies and, and um, player Bible studies. And I was a Bible minor in college. And, um, and I've really, you know, been so thankful for that opportunity. But during the pandemic, I didn't have the opportunity to do the player Bible studies or coaches' Bible studies. And, and one of my spiritual mentors challenged me, he said, you know, um, th this is still important, you know, just because you don't have an audience right now. I mean, what you bring to the table with your perspective and what God has given you um, and your understanding of being able to apply the word to, you know, to the athletic setting, yeah. you need to figure out a way to continue that. And so I started looking into the podcast thought process and, and then I, I started you know, really evaluating the messages that I've been able to, to deliver. I've probably, you know, the 10 years for 10 years with coach nut. And then the, the nine years here, you know, I don't know how many hundred, you know, of messages that I've put together over that time. And, um, and so I'm trying to think, you know, what really would create a thought process that could, if somebody went to that podcast, that they would say, okay, I, I know why I'm going here and I know the direction that it's going to take me. And so um, I thought about the three and a half hours that happened on Saturday for me for the last 32 years of my life and the impact that that had, not only whether I had a job or not, but, but in terms of what we were doing in the off season, what we were doing in recruiting, how we were doing spring practice. I mean, every, yeah. every single decision and every single thing that we did always pointed back to how does this affect Saturday? Yeah. And if it doesn't affect Saturday in a positive way, why are we doing it? Right? <laughs> right. If it doesn't help us win, let's not do it. That's right. We got enough to do. We don't need to do stuff. You know? And uh, so, uh, so I started thinking about how that really, encapsulated, you know, the messages that I had delivered over and that the Lord had given me over the years. And so that's where I came up with podcast 3.5. And I knew that that would, you know, you know, every, you know, like a basketball game, probably you know, it was more like two hours, not three and a half, but yeah. I knew that, that regardless of what sport you coached or what, you know, what type of athlete you were, that you could take the principles of the impact that that three and a half hours made in my life from a college football game to whatever sport that you play. So that's where that came from. Yeah, and then um, uh, when I was, you know, I was in a Bible uh, class in, in uh, undergrad and I remember everybody going around the room and talking about, you know, what type of ministry they wanted to go into. And when they got to me, I was like, well, I guess I'm in the wrong class because I don't feel like I'm called to any of that, you know? And, and then here statement. you go, you're the team, you're the strength coach, you know, but you're the team chaplain. Yeah. Basically. So when, I mean, when they got, when they, awesome when they got to all me, those kids see you, you know, sometimes a team chaplain shows up like once a week, maybe a couple times a week, but you're in that role. They don't really see you as a team chaplain. They saw you as a living example and they see you every single day, every, almost every minute of every day, you know? So that yeah. to me is so much, 
impact, so much impact in that role. I didn't realize, you know, the prophet, they say in the word, the prophet's only a prophet if what he says comes true. And in that moment, my only response was, look, I don't have any of those burning bush experiences that any of you described. So I guess, like I said earlier, I guess I'm in the wrong class, but I would say this, that the, the, the platform of football has always given me an opportunity to share my faith. And I feel like that's what it'll be moving forward. Now, did I ever dream that I'd be the head strength coach at the University of Arkansas delivering a message every Thursday morning in season to the entire football staff and support staff, you know, the opportunity that Houston Nutt gave me to do that, you know, never in my wildest imagination did I believe that that would be my role. And then when I came here, they had something set up for the coaches. So I did something for the players and we averaged for over the last nine years, spring, summer, fall, we'd do a Bible study and we'd, we'd do seven or eight every semester and we'd average 25, 30 guys at every Bible study. And uh, we had one kid, you know, accept Christ this year uh, who started out, you know, coming to the Bible study saying, look, I just got to be honest with you. I don't really believe in God, but I'm kind of interested in some of his teammates, you know, encouraged him to come. And, and uh, you know, our head coach, Doug Martin's a strong Christian guy, and they developed a relationship. And so it was cool to watch the whole family kind of come together and rally around this guy. But uh, you know, never dreamed that what I said in that class would take on that kind of a role the way that it did. And, you know, so thankful uh, to, to, to have that position with, you know, Coach Nutt afforded me the opportunity, Coach Martin afforded me that opportunity to, you know, be their strength coach, but then take on this other role. And I would ask the players sometimes like, look, I just chewed you out in the weight room, you know, like 30 minutes ago. And, and now you're here at the Bible study. And I asked this one player that, that I got to be really close with. Um, I, I said, I got to be honest with you. I've only ever done this for the coaches, but I've never, and I've never done it for the players. And so what is your, how do you feel about that? Like I'm grinding you in the weight room. You, you know, you, you just got in trouble with me for doing this, this, and this, you didn't finish through the line and we had to start the whole team over. And you're, you're so mad at me because we got to run an extra sprint. And now you're at Bible study and I'm delivering the word. I mean, what does that look like? And he, he made this statement to me. It really freed me up. He said, coach, he said, when you walk in and we'd start Bible study, he said, we don't, we instantly see you differently than we did in that weight room like you take on a whole different role with us then and i thought to myself well i mean that's the power of when you know you're obedient to the lord and you're you know doing what he's asked you to do it's amazing how he you know just uh contextualizes what you're doing in that moment and you can wear a hat of the somewhat of the authoritarian and the discipline figure and, Hey, you missed class. And so we got to go do this or whatever. And then you're, you know, an hour later, you're, you're in the back of the cafeteria and you got 25, 30 players and you're delivering a word and you're looking at some of them going, what are they thinking? And then when that player said that it just showed the power of God in your life and what he can do through you, if you'll just get out of the way and be humble enough to be used, you know? Yeah. Which is hard. Sometimes that's super hard. It's, you know, because your players almost become your sons in a way, you know, your family, your children. And sometimes the hardest people to disciple or teach are your own kids. You know, and like you're in this role of get on the line, get your, you know, or whatever the case may be. And then the next, the next phase of your teaching is 
something completely different, but it's all the discipline of life, right? What you used yeah. in the weight room, I'm sure you use so many, I know you have, I know, because I listen to your podcast. You've used so many analogies from the sport to the game of life, the true game of life, and which is cool. So I encourage everybody, I'm going to put a link to your uh, podcast on, on this. So well, thank you. People can thank get you. to it, but Hey, I'm going to close this up. I always ask everybody uh, what another rep is. Cause that's the name of this show. It's called another rep. And what does another rep mean to you, Don? Well, um, another rep for me um, with where I'm at right now in this journey that I'm on, what, what really jumps out at me is, is where um, I've been sharing this a lot, you know, where, where Paul in, in the book of Romans, he, he's, he's sharing and reflecting back on Abraham and his faith. And we know that Hebrews 11 is the hall of faith, if you will. And, and it, it, it said in uh, Romans that it said that Abraham's faith didn't weaken. Right. And, and it goes on to say um, that through his faith, that he uh, considered the facts and, and then it goes on to say what those facts were. And, and the, the first fact that he, that he said to himself was, you know, my body's really as good as dead. I don't know how I'm going to have a son. And then the second fact that he goes on to, to acknowledge is that, you know, Sarah was unable to have children. So the first two facts are not the things that you would just, you know, gravitate to, to say, hey, I'm, man, I'm a man of faith. I'm, a, you know, my faith's not going to win. I mean, those two things are, are kind of downers, you know, they're, and, but then the third thing that he considered as a fact was the promise that God had made him. And, and, and so for me, you know, considering the facts right now that uh, I don't have a job, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, and the job cycle, as you know, you know, usually happens, you know, for college coaches in December, January, you know, yeah. and so that job cycle right now is not, you know, in full swing. And that's a fact, right? But I also, you know, know that the fact is that God made a promise to me. And uh, we know that Jeremiah 29, 11 says that God has, you know, a plan for our lives, right? Plans for peace and prosper, not plans, uh, plans uh, to have a future filled with hope. And, um, and so, uh, and so when you stand on God's word, another rep for me right now is just waking up every day and, and not allowing anything in the natural uh, to weaken my faith. Um, and I know the other day we talked about, you know, uh, about Peter stepping out of the boat, you know, yeah. he gets the bragging rights because he was the only one that stepped stepped out of the boat, but <laughs> he but, still has the but, bragging rights. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But, but we also know that, that, that Jesus said to him, you know, when he started to sink, oh, you little faith. Right. Yeah. And, and so for me, just the challenge every day of, of saying, you know, I don't want the Lord looking at me saying, oh, you little faith. And I do like the thought process of what Abraham brought to the table of his faith didn't weaken because he considered the facts and the fact that he stood on was God's promise. And so another rep for me right now is just waking up every day and, and, and actively standing and living what I have said that I'm about yeah. all this, all this time, all these messages that I've preached to coaches and athletes and all that kind of stuff. This is my opportunity in this moment that what I've said is what I really believe and what I'm going to live and understand that whatever God brings in my life, you know, the, the thought process from Joseph is God meant it for good. 
And, um, and so whether it's a hard time or, you know, a blessed time, God meant it for good to develop us into what we need to be for yeah. the current moment and for what he has for us in the future. So that's for right now, for me, that's another rep. Steve. I love that. I love that. I love hearing how everybody interprets it the way they interpret it based on how life is hitting them right now. And I love that. I love that answer. I'm not here to evaluate everybody's answer, but I just, I, I just appreciate your sincerity and your transparency in that. And uh, I just love having you on the show, man. I love reconnecting with you. It's, you know, it's been a while. Honestly, everybody, I haven't seen his face in, I don't, I don't know how many years, but you look the same and you look great. And uh, I know you've been such a huge blessing to every kid, every coach, everybody you've been around and everybody you've trained. So it's super cool. We'll, we'll keep this going, but thanks for coming on another rep. And I just love having you on. It means the world to me that you, uh, that you asked me to be a part of this and reconnecting with you. has just been, I feel like it was just, you know, the other day that we were together and it's been close to probably 30 years ago. So it wasn't just the other day, but, um, you know, the way you treated <laughs> it me when I God's came time, on that right? a year staff and the way you valued what I did. And <laughs> What's that? It isn't God's time. A year is like a second or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But the way you the way you valued me and the way that you um, you know just really em embraced me as part of the staff there, and that being my first full time job, and I remember that, and then spending time with you and your wife and and everything. I I can't thank you enough for 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 that because that was my first real introduction. Like I said, my first full time job, and and then picking up the phone and talking to you the other day, knowing that that was the guy that you still are. Does, obviously does not surprise me one bit because of what you're grounded in and who you are and i'm just grateful for the reconnection and thanks again for your time today appreciate it let's go make it a great day that's right another rep baby that's right that's right i told you that was going to be a great show thanks so much donnie for coming on today coming on another rep love having you on i love how you shared deep from your heart and just from your experience and everything that you've done and gotten these kids to this point and these young men to just get calloused up and matured up so they could go out and do what they that God wired them to do so really appreciate you for that and uh, again if you like another rep hit subscribe tell your friends tell your teammates tell your people and until then you keep repping and I am out <laughs>